Welcome to the Anderson Business Advisors Podcast, the nationally recognized preferred provider for asset protection and tax planning in the nation. This show is for real estate investors looking to protect their assets, save on taxes, and build their wealth with Clint Coons. Clint is an attorney, author, avid real estate investor, and featured instructor at Anderson's tax and asset protection events held throughout the country. Enjoy the show. What's up, guys? Hey, it's Clint Coons here. And in this episode, I want to talk to an individual who's been investing for years. And in fact, he's done so well with his investing that now he is successfully unemployed. And so I know that's where many of you want to get in your lives, where real estate can replace your active income so you can drop the W-2, no longer have to report to an employer every day, and be able to sit back and collect that mailbox money on a monthly basis. Well, this individual that I have on here, I've been following him for some time. He's been doing this for years, and now he's going to talk to you about how you can go out there and create your own rental real estate business income so you no longer have to work. So with that, I want to invite on Dustin Heiner. Dustin, how are you doing? Hey, Clint. I'm blessed. Thank you very much for asking, and thank you so much for having me on the show. You know, I love... I love real estate and well, I, I, it's more that I love what it affords me to do with my life. You know, not have to work a job. I like calling being successfully unemployed, you know, hang out with the family, go to the gym, build businesses, travel the world, do whatever I want. So yeah, and also get to be on great shows like your, yours and talk to great people like you. So I really appreciate you having me on. Great. Well, thanks for coming on. I know that the people that come to my YouTube channel or they listen to our podcast, they're going to really want to get out of you, you know, your life story, what it takes to get to that point where you can replace your W-2 income. So maybe we can start out, you know, how did you get started in all this? Yeah. So, well, I'll fast forward to the end. When I was 37 years old, I was able to quit my job. I call it successfully unemployed uh, because I had enough rental properties making me money in passive income every single month that I didn't need to work. All my expenses were covered by my properties. Now I'll go. I'll go back to the to the beginning. So I've always been entrepreneurial in my life. You know, starting businesses, that business mindset type of personality. But I am taught, or I was taught, and we are all taught this: we go to school, we get good grades, then we go to college, get good grades, get in thousands and thousands of dollars into debt. From there, you get a degree. It's a piece of paper that you get, and you go around to other businesses and say, hey, can I have a job? And hopefully you get a job, and they call it a career. So hopefully you work there a long time, and you retire, and you're 65, 70 years old. And so I was following that journey. Even though I was entrepreneurial, I still was following that journey. Now, being entrepreneurial, I had a uh, started really, really young. I had a newspaper route. That's where you ride with bike, and you have your newspapers. You throw them at 5 a.m. and bang them on garage doors, waking people up. I did that. I had a graphic website design company, skateboard manufacturing business, a pizzeria, and a convenience store. Started all from the ground up, but at the same time, still working my job. And so it was a nine to five job working for the county in one of the counties in California, doing IT work, you know, technology work. And so I bought one or two properties at the time, and I knew that I needed to become an investor. I knew that life would change if I became an investor, but honestly, life, like for everybody, life got in the way. And I paused and stopped doing investing in real estate because my wife started and I started having kids. And then by the time, I got to tell you this quick story. By the time my wife had our fourth child, I went on paternity leave. So my wife, you know, gave birth. I went on paternity leave. That's where the dad stays home with the mom, changes poopy diapers and bonds with the baby and all that good stuff. And about two weeks it goes by and then I go back to work. And that same week that I go back to work after my fourth child was born on a Friday, at 3.30 in the afternoon, I get a call from my boss's 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 secretary, like the, the top dog. And she says, hey, Dustin, would you please come to the boss's office? And I said, sure. 
Then I hung up the phone. And I've seen plenty of movies. Like, this isn't good. This is Friday at 3.30 in the afternoon. And, like, this is not normal. This is weird. But as I sat there for a second, I started thinking, about two months prior to me going on paternity leave, there were some rumors or some rumblings going on in the county that there could potentially be layoffs. Like, there was short of, of money coming in. I immediately shook that off. I'm like, no, I've been falling. What everybody told me to do, it, I'm secure. Nobody gets fired or layered from the county, from the government. Nobody does. And my bosses think I do a great job. I have 12, 13 years seniority here. Everything's going great. So I shook it off. Then I get up and I start walking down the hallway to my boss's office. Now, Clint, this hallway isn't very long. In fact, it's, it's kind of short. But every single step that I take, it feels like the hallway gets longer and longer and longer. And it feels like my feet become lead bricks. And the reason why mm-hmm. is because it's starting to dawn on me. This could potentially be the time that everything is all taken away from me. Well, I get to the end of the hallway and I turn the corner and I see my boss's door. His door is closed and I see his secretary there. She's super sweet, really nice lady. And sheepishly, she kind of grins at me. She's trying to console me with her eyes because she knows everything about what's going on. I know nothing about what's going on. She says, Dustin, would you please have a seat? So I go and I take a seat and I sit there and I start thinking about Oh my goodness, all this time in my life building up to have a quote unquote career, if that's taken away from me, was that all a waste? And then I start questioning, well, if I can't provide for my family, does that make me a failure as a father? Does it make me a failure as a husband, as a man trying to provide for his family? Well, as I'm sitting there, my hands get all clammy, my forehead gets all sweaty because I'm just, the nerves are just racking me because the weight of everything is starting to crush down on me. Then the door to my boss's office opens up. And out walks a lady, a coworker of mine, with a piece of paper in her hands. So she is noticeably distraught, noticeably upset, but not necessarily crying, but you can tell her world has been rocked. She passes by me and my boss says, Dustin, would you please come into the office? So I get up and I go into his office and I get laid off. And remember, this is the government. Nobody gets fired or laid off from the government, but I did. So if it happened to me, it can happen to anybody. So I take that layoff notice and I go back to my desk and I sit down And I realized two things sitting there. And this is the reason why I'm telling you a story. I realized two things. The first thing was I need to get another job. I need to be able to provide for my family. So I was really, really blessed. Praise the Lord to be able to find another job in the same county, whole another department, sheriff's department, great job and everything, same position, which was great. So check. But as I'm sitting in that chair, I realized the second thing that I'm trying to encourage everybody else to realize this. The second thing was I need to make sure that this never, ever happens to me again. I need to make sure that nobody has the ability to take away my ability to feed my family. So right then and there, I realized whenever anybody would ask me the question, and we all get this question, hey, what do you do? And they're basically asking you, what value do you put on yourself? I was just answering my job. Oh, I work for the county. I do IT work, projecting my value as being my job. No, my value doesn't come from my job. My value comes from my God, myself, and from my family. So right then there, I realized my value is so much more than anybody could ever pay me. And you could, everybody, listen to this, you could realize this as well. Your boss is only paying you just enough to keep you working without quitting, but not so much money that's taking money out of their pocket. So I realized my value now is I knew I needed to be an investor. Life got in the way. I said, no longer will I ever let life get in the way. So I started telling every single person, I am an investor. It might so happen that 100% of my money comes from my job. That's now my part-time job. I'm a full-time investor. Now, fast forward the story. I started buying property after property after property, each one making me $250 or more in passive income. 
And after 30 plus properties, but it took me about four, no, probably about five to six years to eventually get enough properties where I realized, even though I'm making $75,000 a year here at this job, it's a J-O-B. You're living just over broke. I like that acronym. You're living just over broke. And with that, I said, you know what? I'm losing money working here. I need to build my businesses. So I went to my new boss, round out the story by sharing. I went to my new boss. New boss is great and everything. But I went to him. I said, boss, I'm laying you off. Like, here's my two, your two weeks notice. And nice. so- he said, Dustin, what are you going to do? And I said, I literally don't have to do anything. I have real estate that makes me money without working. I don't do a thing. And so I left. And I'll round out the story by sharing. If you remember that hallway, that short hallway that got longer and longer where my feet became bricks. Mm -hmm. Well, I walked to my car. I worked in downtown, mile and a half walk. I've done this a thousand times. I felt like I was walking on clouds because I knew because I invested in real estate. I didn't let life get in the way ever again. I now would never, ever need a job again. So I'll pause the story because you probably got plenty of questions, but that's how it got me. And I want everybody to realize that if it happened to me, it can happen to anybody. Yeah, and, and that's the thing why I think a lot of people invest is so that they don't have that fear, right, of, of loss any longer. And so, the, so I've seen real estate change lives. My daughter is an investor now. She's 23 years old. She has three rental properties. And every day she sits there, well, not every day, but she, she'll sit and talk to me about it and say, hey, Dad, I just need 10 more. And now I can <laughs> I completely it. replace all of my income that I'm currently earning. And, and, and that's encouraging when, when I see that. So as an investor, what did you focus on? When you I started out with single family, in, yeah. commercial, what? Where'd you go? Yeah, my bread and butter is mm -hmm. residential. When I say residential, it's not single family homes only. It's four units and below because that's what the IRS classifies. The banks are different when you get above, you know, loans are different when you get above mm -hmm. five units. So I love four units and below. Those are my bread and butter. And so what I focused on was buying more and more rental properties that would make me a minimum of $250. Now, I think your daughter's 100% brilliant in thinking, I just need this many more. That's how I got to be able to quit my job. I realized if every property made me $250 or more in passive income, remember that's the minimum, then it's just scaling it or just multiplying it out. If I had one property making me $250 a month, that's $3,000 a year without working. 10 properties is $2,500 a month, $30,000 a year without working. 20 properties, $5,000 a month, $60,000 a year without working. You just realize once you are able to have a, and you'll hear me say this all the time, we build the business first. That's how we do this business right. We don't just buy a property and hope it goes well. We build the business. But if we do that, then we can scale the business so we can quit our jobs. Okay. So the thing is, you know, if I'm sitting back and I'm listening to this right now, I'm saying, that sounds great and all, but the number one impediment that a lot of people are going to have is, you know, how do you qualify for a purchase? You know, you need that income still coming in. So is your wife working or what do you tell people that want to get to where you want to be? And they say, well, if I buy my, you know, I have three properties, I'll quit. But that's not going to be enough income for them so they can buy more, right? Totally not. And so everybody has different risk tolerances. My mm -hmm. risk tolerance was I, and plus I had a wife, who we, we had four kids. She wouldn't let me quit until we had enough properties that we were well above. Other people have a little more risk tolerance. They can quit sooner than that. But what for, for me, and so to answer your question about, the financing aspect. What's interesting about real estate investing is most people believe there's maybe a couple ways to buy properties. One major one, everybody knows this because we buy houses for ourselves to live in. You find a realtor and a, and a uh, mortgage broker and you put them together and you buy a house. That's just one way. In fact, I've literally, and I counted, I think 15 different ways to get financing for a specific property. 
Now, I will say, if you have money, it's much easier because it is possible to buy properties with low and no money down, but it's just very, very hard. Once you have experience, now I, bought, I buy properties with no and low money down because people want to invest with me. But I'll, fast, I'll, I'll jump right back to if you're going to start and you want to start and you realize like how much money I have or all these sort of things, what is really interesting is there are so many ways to get financing. If you have a really good deal, you're going to find somebody that wants to invest with you. And so I'll give you a quick run through of ways that I've actually got financing. So definitely a mortgage, you know, regular conventional mortgage. Mm -hmm. We can definitely do that. I've got private money, friends, family members, other businesses, people that I know. I've got hard money as well, not like not banks, but other institutions or other companies that are lending their money. I've even done portfolio loans. That's where the bank sells their own, or they loan you the money and they hold onto the asset instead of selling it. That's another one. Bundled loan. Uh, I've done a commercial bundle is where you bundle a bunch of properties together, pull the equity out, done that many times. Um, commercial loans. I've even done a signature line of credit with a bank because I wanted to buy a property. And here, this advanced strategy, again, this, well, these are all advanced strategies, especially this one. I've used a credit card to buy a property because I knew, and remember, that's advanced strategy, because I knew I built the business first. And just like if you knew, if I buy, let's say, a box of something, what it, let's say widgets, and if I buy it for X dollar, but I can sell it for twice that, of course, you would figure out a way to buy it with whatever cash you had because you knew you can sell it. For me, with my real estate investing business, I know that I build the business first. And I could definitely walk you through how to build the business first the right way. But I build the business first. And then all I do is I make sure all my expenses are accounted for before I buy the property. Then when I buy the property, I make sure I make money in passive income, which I suggest $250 or more in passive income. So long-winded answer to share that you don't need a lot of money to get started. In fact, I don't take, so I also coach people and show people how to do this. I don't take on any students have less than $10,000. If you have $10,000, we can do a lot with $10,000. Less than that, it's just really, really hard. But I'll quickly say people might say, well, Dustin, where do you buy homes for, you know, with $10,000? Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of places in the country that have really good homes that other people would want to live in, you may not, but that are lower in price. And so the Midwest is fantastic. Get out of the Carolinas and into Florida, really great properties. I had a student, I'll give you, I'll, I'll say this last thing and I'll, I'll let you um, mm -hmm. ask your question. So one student recently, he lived in Sacramento. He's a pastor. He has a house. It's appreciated a lot. He didn't have any extra money, but he knew he wanted to have investments. So he did, We work, working with me, we did a home equity line of credit on his property. He had $200,000 to invest. Well, we took that $200,000 and he used that home equity line of credit to buy a house. Oh, what was it? Was it Tennessee, Ohio? I have numbers too, so I can't remember exactly. But we bought a house or he bought a house and he bought it for $47,000. It's appraising for $103,000. And so what's great is as an investor, we buy it for less than it's worth, capture that equity, and then since he had that $47,000 of his own equity in his house, he's now refinancing that property, pulling 75 to 80% of that money out. Because remember, it's, it's appraised for 100,000. So he can pull out 70 grand. So he's up maybe $20,000. He'll pay off his home equity credit and he has $20,000 extra buy the next property. So fast forward to say it's 100% possible if you have the idea of, or if you know where and how to do it. So I think a lot of that comes down to where uh, you're going to invest. And I think that's always been a challenge for, for many people who want to get started in real estate, but they have to say that, you know, they're, they live in a blue state where everything's really expensive and high taxes and that they can, 
you know, between the property taxes or I got some mayor that's going to come in and tell me I can't collect rents or evict my tenants. Where do you direct people to, to go find these deals? So I direct people to definitely landlord friendly states is number one. Mm-hmm. But here's the biggest thing that I so I get students that would ask me, hey, Dustin, you invest. Let's say I do invest in Akron, Ohio. That's one city that I invest in among many. Um, they say, hey, you invest in Akron. You're the expert. Tell me about it. I said, no, no, no. Just because I invest there doesn't make me the expert. I'm not the expert. Who is the experts? It's the people that literally live there on the ground. Like Zillow is not an expert. Truly a Redfin. Like all those websites, they're not experts. They don't live there. They don't know what's going on. And so I'll quickly, uh, I actually want to run you through how to build mm-hmm. the business first. Because when you do that, then you can invest anywhere all over the country. It doesn't matter which state you live in. In fact, when I first got started, I lived in California. Started investing in Ohio and Texas and Arizona. Since then, I and my students invest all over the country. And so it doesn't matter where you live. It only matters where other people will live. So this is what we do. Actually, let me quickly give you the wrong way that the quote unquote gurus <laughs> will tell you. This is what I yeah. did. This is the wrong way. I did this. And within six months, my property manager started stealing from me because I did it the wrong way. So the gurus will tell you, you buy one property, that property is your business. And they'll also tell you, okay, you find a property anywhere in the country, then you run the numbers. Run the numbers, meaning, you know, calculate expenses, make sure you're making a little bit of money. They suggest like $50 a month in passive income because you'll get appreciation. Well, pausing that, I don't invest for appreciation. This is generational wealth that I'm creating. All of my kids, like maybe you can see in the background of my video, I have four kids. I'm literally going to give these properties to my kids as well as teach them how to do it. So, but getting back to it, They'll tell you, run the number, you know, anywhere in the country, run the numbers, then spend thousands of dollars to buy the property, then spend thousands of dollars to fix up the property, and then find a tenant to live in there, and then find a property manager to manage the property. In my opinion, that's just about backwards. What we do, what I do with Master Passive Income, all my coaching and everything, is we build the business first. Remember, that was the wrong way. Here is the right way that you're going to do it. We build the business first. I'll give you an example of what that looks like. So, Clint, if you're going to create a convenience store, you know, candy bars, soda machines, and stuff like that, you're not going to sign a lease on a location, open the doors, and set a box of candy bars in there on the ground. No, you wouldn't do that. What you would go out of business in like two seconds. What Mm -hmm. you would do, though, is you would get the, you build the business. You get the gondolas. Those are shelving units that all the candy bars are on. You get the countertops, cold storage, fountain machines, bank accounts, cash registers, insurance, employees, literally everything in the business before you buy any inventory. Same thing with real estate investing. Remember, my property manager started stealing from me because I did what everybody else was telling me. Then I approached, I said, you know what? I, I love business. Maybe I should approach this as a business mindset. And in doing that, I made sure I had the experts who live there on the ground do the work for me. No matter, I don't want to visit these states that I invest in. It's not necessary. And so I don't, but I have the experts there. So what we do is we find the property managers, the contractors, the roofers, the plumbers, inspectors, mortgage brokers, realtors, wholesalers. We find all these people who are experts who literally live there that are going to help us to make sure we're doing it right because they don't want to lose our business. They're going to make sure we're doing it right. With that, what we do then is we buy inventory. So we build the business and every property that we buy is a piece of inventory that we put into the business. That's how we're able to scale our business so quickly is because our property is not a business. Our business owns inventory and we can do this all over the country. In fact, I have even have people that live out of America, like Canada and Switzerland and Israel. I have students from there. They want to invest here and so they do. And so I just show them. I show them the principles. My goal is to show them how to fish, not just give them 
a fish. I want to teach them how to fish. But that's how we can do it literally anywhere all over the country. Yeah. So what you mentioned there, you know, about building the team, I, I have similar stories as well, where, where I got screwed over by a property manager. And so finding a great property manager, I found when you're coming into a new market can be essential to opening up deal flow for you because those property managers, they know who the investors are, who the uh, property owners are. When those in- property owners are looking to sell, they're communicating that back to the property manager and those become those opportunities for you to step in. Plus you get an idea of the rental income that's coming in from those from those uh, properties in that area. So you can make better decisions. You know, what I found in, in investing outside of state. So when you talked about the experts, how are you vetting these experts? I love that question. It's a brilliant question. Because if you listen to the quote unquote gurus who tell you do everything the wrong way, like I shared, you're mm-hmm. going to go and eventually try to find a property manager and you might not find one. And in fact, you might talk to the property managers and all of them saying, well, I'm not going to rent there or I'm not going to manage that property because I'll get shot there. <laughs> like, I don't want to go there. Then you no longer have an asset. You now have a liability. And so with that liability, now you're not going to be making money. You're going to be worried completely about your property. But what we do is we vet the property manager, just like you are going to find a manager for that convenience store that you hypothetically would build. You're not going to just grab somebody off the street and say, hey, you say you're a manager. Let me bring you in here and put you in there and run the business. No, you got a business. They might steal from you. I don't know. They might just run it wrong. But what you would do is you would interview the managers for your business. Same thing with real estate investing. That's the number. And Clint, you're 100% right. Our property manager, they are our quarterbacks. If you know, you think of a football team, they're going to help us. They're basically the leaders of everything. They're going to make sure we make money. They're going to make sure we save money. They're going to protect us from anything going wrong and make sure that they're, that they're since they're the experts, they're giving us the right advice. They're not going to want us to go wrong. So with that, we vet the property managers. My suggestion, this is what I teach all my students, is we don't just call, let's say, two or three property managers. We literally call six or more property managers and we interview them multiple times. And texting is not an interview. Email is not an interview. An interview is a Zoom call. If you can get them on there, which they're probably busy, that'd be hard to do. But just call them on the phone and talk to them on the phone and interview them multiple times. And the big reason why we're looking for property managers that we can trust, that can communicate to us, and that have experience. And phone calls, you're going to just most most people can, in talking to one person one time, they can get a sense personally if they feel like they can trust a person. But some people can kind of pull the wool over your eyes for one call, but over two or three calls, it's harder for them to continually pull the wool over your eyes. So that's one. And if your property manager doesn't call you back before they have your business, meaning communication, trust, and then communications next, if they don't call you back before they have your money, imagine how bad it is when they have your money. Like, oh, this guy, again, I don't want to talk to Clint and pff, I'm going to hang up or not even not even an answer. When they have your money, it's so much worse. I experienced that. And then also with their experience, we want to make sure that they have the experience in their background as well as in the interview. And I tell, I give my students literally a list of 22 questions that they need to ask and interview every single property manager and the answers for what they should answer. And then with that, they'll see if they, if this property manager has experience. I've had countless students say, you know what, Dustin, I went through your questions and they couldn't answer them. They didn't have an answer for some of these questions. Like it just shows that they have a lack of experience. They might still be great, but it just helps us to give a formulate a right person to hire for our business. But you're hundred percent right. The property manager is literally the, the quarterback of our entire business. Yeah. I mean, there's, I, I've told people in past uh, or they've seen me talk about this before. When we got started in, in a certain market in, in, in Winston-Salem, 
we actually went out and went to the used appliance store and we started figuring out who the property owners were through by asking the used appliance guys, who are the big landlords in this area? And then we started canvassing them and seeing if they're willing to sell any of their properties. Cause you know, a lot of times you're fine in more mature markets, you have older owners and they're looking to retire to get out of that. And that's what we found in our own investing. We're, we're you know, now we're buying typically on average 50 to hundred properties in these pools from people who just want to get out of the business because they're tired of rental real estate. They don't see it as generational wealth as you're talking about. So that I think is important and I hope people understand that. So in this market today though, I mean, it's a little different than it was, you gotta admit five five years ago or even just two and a half years ago, things started heating up. And now when you're out there trying to find deal flow, what has changed for you in that deal flow? So it looks every single year, every single market cycle is going to look different. When I first got started investing, I didn't have very much money when I first got started. It was in 2006. And the crash was in 2008 when the real estate market crashed. But here's the great thing about how I invest in real estate. Remember, I don't invest for appreciation. Appreciation is great. I love it. But I'm going to give these properties my kids. I'll refinance that appreciation, that equity out and buy another property. That's what I do. But I did not in 2006 invest for appreciation. I know I knew many investors that did invest for appreciation. They're the ones that went bankrupt because they weren't doing it right. What I did was I invested for passive income. And every single property made me minimum of $250. And so no matter if the market went up, if the market went down, or if the market went sideways, I still made money. And so in 2008, when the pro- uh, properties crashed, I was like, oh my goodness, like the value is cut in half. Oh, well, I'm still making $250 a month in passive income. Now, those properties are now double or triple what they were back when it crashed. And now my rents are double and triple what it was back then. And so I'm making even, remember, they were a minimum $250. Now, some are making me five or six or $700. Now, to answer what we're, what's going on right now, the biggest thing that we need to do is watch out for passive income and how we're going to be making passive income from a property and then also guarding against spending too much money for a property. I'll give you an example of what that looks like. You don't want to buy a house that's, let's say you're getting a $500,000 loan to make $250 a month in passive income. Because what if your tenants move out and you have a mortgage that's going to be costing you what? I don't know, $2,000, $2,200 a month. Well, at $250 a month, that's only $3,000 a year that you're trying to feed your family on. And so if you have one month where it's a $2,200 hit, that only leaves you $800 if there's anything else. That's basically feed your family. So what we try to do is we buy lower priced homes. And remember, we're buying inventory just because you might not want to live in a certain state, let alone that specific house. It's totally fine. Just like in a convenience store, I'm going to buy so many different types of candy bars. I may hate every single one of them, but I'm not eating them. My customers love them. And so I'm like, I'm going to provide a service for you. Same thing with real estate investing. You need to find the areas where people are renting and prices where I would suggest anywhere from like, let's say $60,000, $70,000 to maybe $180,000, $200,000 get reach in the top because there are places where you can buy them for much lower, capture a lot of equity and get a lot of passive income. And trust me, people will love to live in the, those properties. Just because you don't doesn't mean that everybody else will, won't either. So that's the thing that we do is we look for passive income, buy the prices for the properties for much lower in price, capture equity. And on top of that, we make sure that we have a business that runs it. I literally, like people have heard, heard of the book, The 4-Hour Workweek. 
I think working four hours a week is for suckers. I don't want to work four hours a week. I don't want to work four hours a month. I literally work maybe 30 minutes a month. I just grab, a, actually, actually, I literally have one right here. So here's one property management statement from, oh, can't really see it. One property management statement from one of my property managers. I just pull up the statement and look at it, make sure everything's good, and then set it aside and go back to play with my kids. So that's when you're looking at today's market, there are deals, they're just harder to find. And so, you know, if you have some, like if you're, if it's hard to fish in a certain pond, then you go to somebody that actually has done it before and say, hey, this is where you fish. So that's what I love to do with my students is show them new areas where they can invest and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And that's where I think where a lot of people are looking for right now, finding those those areas. And one of the things that you mentioned, you know, about 2006 and the crash, what I found with my own investments in that period of time is you're right. If you buy too high, unfavorable terms, and you think you're going to get appreciation, you're going to screw yourself on the back end because those people are all going to lose those properties because your income isn't going to support your debt. But if you buy right, that is going to, to ensure that well, I'm not investing for appreciation. It's always about cash flow. I always have enough to cover my debt. But many times when you go through a correction in a market and there's a compression in the availability because banks are taking properties back, what I experienced was that my rents went up. And so there was a period of time between 2010 and 2013 that I was just pinching myself with how much I could make because people were displaced. They didn't have a home anymore. They had to rent. And then as I saw more, more deal flows or more properties started coming back onto the market, I had to start lowering my rents again uh, to stay competitive. So when that fear comes into people's mind, oh, you know, the media is talking about rates going up and the mortgage, you know, potentially there's something going on with the mortgages and it might be a collapse. I tell people, like you said, as long as you buy right, you shouldn't have any fear there. So yeah, that, that's- you're, you're totally right. And so I found that most people have a fear of investing because they feel, even you're just getting started, they feel like it's too risky. And mm -hmm. you know what's, what's really even more interesting than that, I can teach literally anyone how to invest in real estate. I've, I've taught hundreds and hundreds of students, but to get them over that hurdle in their minds of that fear, that it, it takes all, like, I can't do that. That's on them. Now, what I had to realize, and re the reason why I told that story at the very beginning, is that I now believe and know it's so much more risky to put my life and my family's life, you know, food and, you know, being able to pay our bills, putting that in somebody else's hands where they can literally take it away. It's more risky for me and my family to do that now. Fast forward now. I literally have five businesses now that I have, including on top of my real estate investing businesses, because imagine 40 plus hours of your life back on top of the freedom that you have as well, that you can create even more businesses. Now, I love the term, what's it, passive income streams or streams of income. I love that. But even though I have lots of streams of income, they all flow into my river of income, which is my real estate investing. That's where all my money goes back into because that's where the, the wealthy, they keep they lock in their, their value of their money in real estate. They make money in real estate. They get tax benefits in real estate. There's so many great things, but all, all of my passive income or all my income streams go into my river of income and I just get more and more properties, which is great because I can literally just, like I said, give them to my kids in generational wealth. Yeah. So before we got started today, we were talking about, you know, your various investments because as you accumulate assets, you begin to diversify and find other opportunities. And so what areas are you looking into yourself beyond just residential right now? Yeah. So I really uh, appreciate the syndication. Basically, other people 
what they do is they find multifamily homes, apartment complexes, you know, 50,000 units or, you know, whatever variation between, but multifamily, lots of people in one, you know, general apartment building type thing, that as well as hotels. Um, I love investing in hotels as well. Hotels are, they're moneymakers. And so with that, I love being able, now that I'm blessed, I don't actually have to do the work to find the apartment complexes. You know, it's just like Monopoly. You know, you buy land, you put a house on there and you get more houses and eventually move up to multifamily. That's where you start making money. And so I don't have to, because I have enough money and there are good syndicators, people that find deals, manage them, you know, buy them and they need investors, people with money to go and invest with them. And now I'm blessed to have enough money where I can actually just give them the money. And with the multifamily, what's great is I literally just invest my money and I lend it to them. And I get equity in it. So it's not like like a, literally a loan, but I get equity in the deal. The, let's say it's a multifamily. In fact, I just got a hotel, two hotels. Take that back. I got two hotels in a syndication deal. And I make, I think, 9% a quarter on all the properties. And plus, within two to three years, I think they're trying to sell to where I get like uh, twice my money back. It's looking really, really good. But that's what happens with syndication. So it's I, my bread and butter is with residential, you know, four units and below. So if I'm going to do it myself, that's super simple. I have businesses built. I just buy more properties. Now, like from multifamily, even land investing, I love land investing as well. I'm not a big fan of mobile homes, but I love storage units. Storage units are fantastic. So there's so many ways to invest in real estate. You just need to figure out what's the right one for you. And then when you can branch out, like I, like I said, my bread butters, the residential, I know that like the back of my hand, I could do that in my sleep. Now I'm able to branch out and do other investing. Great. Well, now you have a number of resources available. I've been to your website. You've got a book, Making Money in Real Estate, that you've put together. You have the Successfully Unemployed podcast. I see you're wearing the shirt right there as well. So if somebody wanted to learn more and connect with you because of all those free resources, where would you direct them? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I have a Real estate investing course, I love just to give away for free. Do you mind if I share mm -hmm. that with everybody? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll make sure it's in the show notes as well. Awesome. So I'll give you my real estate investing course just literally for free. I just want to help people. This is just fun for me. Show you how to find an area of the country to invest, how to build the business first, how to buy the right properties, make $250 a month and scale your business to quit your job. So you can text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L, to 33777. Super simple. Rental to 33777. Seven seven, or you can go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. Masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course, all one word. But I'll literally give it to you. I I just want to help as many people. In fact, my first goal was to quit my job in ten years. When I was twenty seven years old, I'm, in ten years I'm gonna quit, no matter if I have if I have the ability or not. I was blessed to be able thirty seven be able to quit my job. Now my new goal is to now teach and show a million people how to invest in real estate. So I'm just going to try to give this away. Plus, like you said, the Successfully Unemployed show where I interview great people like you and other people who are successfully unemployed, my Master Passive Income podcast, the YouTube channel. It's literally just me. I don't really do interviews on that because it's just me teaching, just giving mm -hmm. away all this information. So get it, get it and take advantage of it. I want to see you invest in real estate. Hey guys, you know, those of you that follow me on YouTube, you know that what I do is all about education and that's what I learned about Dustin as well. When I started following him, I saw that he takes he takes the same approach, is that by giving, you're gonna help so many more people be able to achieve their dreams. And some of that'll come back to you as well because they'll wanna maybe possibly use your services, but that's not what he's about. He's about showing you how to take it, get started, how to take it to the next level. I've, I've watched many of his videos, Definitely think you should check that out. Dustin, anything you'd want to uh, say in passing? 
So the biggest thing is when you're investing, go for passive income and build the business first. And I'll show you how to do that. And so, but no, I really appreciate you having me on, Clint. It's been a lot of fun. Excellent. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Show notes for links to everything mentioned in this episode can be found on our website at andersonadvisors.com slash podcast. Be sure you subscribe to our podcast. And if you are already a subscriber, please provide us a review of what you thought of this episode.